0: You're listening to the Quince
1: Podcast.
0: You may think that it's been an unsteady week for Facebook, with all its platforms like Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram going dark for six hours on 4th October, affecting billions around the globe. But, This wasn't the worst thing to happen to Facebook this week. Based on a trove of over 10,000 documents provided by a whistleblower, The Wall Street Journal over the past few weeks revealed that Facebook fully understands how its products influence and harm society. And just a day after the outage, the crisis deepened after the whistleblower Francis Hugen a former Facebook employee came forward and testified before the US Congress and gave lawmakers a candid view on how the company functions and its efforts to keep people hooked onto the platform despite knowing its ill-effects. In her testimony, Guggen said that the company knows how to make the platform safer but are putting profits before people.
1: My name is Francis Haugen. I used to work at Facebook. I joined Facebook because I think Facebook has the potential to bring out the best in us. But I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer, but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people.
0: Some of these revelations are eye-opening, like the fact that the company knew the negative impact Instagram has on teenage girls, how certain algorithms designed to make the platform a healthier place were actually having the opposite effect and the fact that the Facebook senior management including CEO Mark Zuckerberg knew all about this. In this episode, we will break down exactly what was revealed by the whistleblower, its impact and also answering the bigger question, what's next for Facebook? Are more stringent regulations in its future and what would they be? To discuss all this for today's episode, we spoke with Apar Gupta, the Executive Director of the Internet Freedom Foundation. You're tuned in to the big story, the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you. And I'm your host, Emmat. The social media giant is no stranger to litigation and public discontent. The last big crisis being as recent as 2018 where it was revealed that personal information of millions of Facebook users was obtained by Cambridge Analytica, an analytics firm which allegedly helped Donald Trump win the US 2016 elections. But this crisis may be different given the substantial internal reports, insider knowledge and the person it is coming from, Francis Hugen. Now, Hugen worked as a product manager in Facebook's civil integrity team for nearly two years until May 2021. In her role, she and her team tackled issues relating to democracy and misinformation and also ways to stop foreign governments to abuse the platform. However, this team, according to Yogan, was dissolved just a month after the 2020 US elections. In an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes, she revealed that the dissolution of this team made it harder for the platform to respond to the riots of 6 January where supporters of former US President Donald Trump stormed the US Capitol. In her bombshell testimony to Congress, Yogan said that, quote-unquote, almost no one outside Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook and that the company intentionally hides vital information from the public and the government.
1: During my time at Facebook, I came to realize a devastating truth. Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the US government, and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress Proved that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children, the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems, and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. I came forward because I believe that every human being deserves the dignity of the truth.
0: Another revelation from Hugen's testimony and the Wall Street Journal analysis confirmed how bad social media is for teenagers. Based on Facebook's own internal research, The Wall Street Journal reported that Instagram negatively impacts teenage users and contributes for worsening of body image issues in the case of teenage girls. The report highlights that teens blamed Instagram for increasing anxiety and depression. According to the report, around 13% of British and 6% American teen users who participated in Instagram's internal study reported suicidal thoughts linked to using the app. It also reported the sobering statistic that when 32% of teenage girls felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. In her testimony while answering a question from Senator Dan Sullivan, Yugen said that there is a broad swath of research both by third parties and Facebook that shows the rise in suicide rates in teenagers are in part driven by the use of apps like Instagram.
1: Facebook made statement, has made statements in the past about how much benefit Instagram is providing to kids' mental health, like kids are connecting who are once alone. Uh, what I'm so surprised about that is, if, if Instagram is such a positive force, what, have we have we seen a golden age of teenage mental health in the last ten years? Yeah. No, we've, seen, we've seen the opposite. Right. We've seen escalating rates of suicide and depression amongst teenagers. Do you think yeah. those rates are at least in part driven by the social media phenomena? There is a broad swath of research that supports the idea that usage of social media uh, amplifies the risk for these mental health harms. But so right now, and this hearing is helping illuminate it we are seeing and Facebook's own research shows up, right? Yeah. Say that again. That's important. that and Facebook's own research shows up, right? The kids are saying, kids are saying, I am unhappy when I use Instagram and I can't stop that if I leave, I'm afraid I'll be ostracized. Right. And that's, that's so sad. So they know that that's what their research shows.
0: Now content according to Facebook is moderated in two ways, human content moderators and AI based moderators. Facebook on its transparency website lists that it employs over 15,000 reviewers to review potential content violations. But a Bloomberg report points out that these moderators are overworked and that their lives are being put on risk by the requirement to work from offices during the pandemic. And AI, which carries most of the legwork when it comes to sifting through fake news, violent imagery, illegal sale, has its own limitations since the human language and communication is constantly evolving. Apar Gupta speaks more on how Facebook's AI-based content moderation works and how it is falling short.
2: Uh, So according to Facebook, about 90% of the speech which is removed through its transparency report, this figure has been revealed through its transparency reports, is done through what it's called as AI-based machine learning. Machine learning essentially is the process where uh, certain patterns of human behavior are fed into algorithm and through then repeated classification of that content or whether it being uh, information which can be permitted on the Facebook platform or conflicts with it terms of service is then through a subsequent process automated. So in a sense, when you have enough times that content is being moderated in a way by human-based decision-making, which is then observed by a machine over a period of time, the machine knows what to do. At least that is the theory. So machine learning relies on large sets of observation of behavior, which is then fed into a algorithm, which then makes unique decisions on the basis of it. This gives it a presumption of intelligence, and that is why it is called AI-based machine learning. Now, the problem with this quite often occurs in content moderation for a social media platform such as Facebook in terms of the algorithm missing the context of the information which is classified or sometimes by itself the algorithm not being able to even look at certain kinds of information which may be hate speech and may persist on the platform. And if you look at the whistleblower complaint of Frances Huguen, for instance, she has, uh, so there are several complaints, firstly, which one needs to look at. And these are separately classified. uh, And essentially, the second complaint, which has been published by 60 Minutes, uh, goes on to say that Uh, as per an internal study, quote, unquote, we're deleting less than 5% of all hate speech posted to Facebook. This is actually an optimistic estimate, end of quote. It also goes on to uh, uh, state that, begin quote, we also have compelling evidence that our core product mechanics, such as virality, recommendations, and optimization for engagement are a significant part of why these types of content flourish on the platform. The mechanics of our platform are not neutral, end of quote. So more or less, the algorithm which is there on Facebook, and if you look at the interview as well of Frances Human, she says is optimized for reach, visibility, which essentially ensures that people are engaged in a manner which is uh, much more to their liking, and hence they end up spending a greater amount of time on Facebook. Facebook, on the basis of that, has an economic incentive, in which it can gather a greater amount of personal data thereby also serve contextual advertisements to people and the more pe- uh, time people spend online on facebook the more ads they see as well so in a way the algorithm serves a commercial objective of uh, maximizing uh, revenue on the basis of people spending more time on facebook by itself and thereby content-based moderation on the basis of AI tools has been severely criticized, not only with respect to Facebook, but also with respect to any other form of content moderation implemented by any other social media company, even though as much as it is a reality today. In fact, uh, a large number of thinking, uh, a lot of thinking about it has actually uh, undergone in Europe, which uh, happens to be um, uh, uh, a space, uh, a place where Um, hate speech is frowned upon very, very strongly. Yet at the same point in time, you have organizations such as the European Digital Rights Initiative, which caution that uh, any implementation of AI leads to two consequences. Firstly, you don't end up removing what needs to be removed. And sometimes you end up removing things which are completely legal in the first instance itself.
0: Yugen, along with submitting a copy of the leaked documents to the Wall Street Journal and the Congressional Committee, also filed complaints to Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, and one of these complaints also has a link to India, especially to the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh, the RSS. According to an analysis by The Wire, internal Facebook documents claim that quote-unquote political sensitivities prevented it from categorizing RSS content posted on Facebook and even acknowledged that it is well aware of anti-Muslim content promoted by pro-RSS users or groups. And though Facebook has publicly stated in 2019 that it is reviewing content in four Indian languages, be it Hindi, Bengali, Urdu and Tamil, its internal documents state the opposite, that, quote-unquote, our lack of Hindi and Bengali classifiers means much of this anti-Muslim content is never flagged or actioned. The documents also revealed that India, along with Brazil and the US, was classified as a tier zero country. This basically categorizes the allocation of resources that the company will provide for monitoring content during elections. However, according to The Wire, though India is a tier zero country, this categorization has no effect since the United States receives 87% of the resources available, while the rest of the world, including India, receives only 13%. And this statistic is important to highlight since the company, according to Yugen, took action on as little as 3 to 5% of hate speech on the platform and on less than 1% of content classified under violence and incitement. Gupta says that the revelations made about Facebook's content moderation realities in India need to be analysed by the Ministry of Electronics and IT and the Parliamentary Committee on IT, given that India is Facebook's largest market.
2: Uh, amongst the bundle of complaints which have been published by 60 Minutes, which is there on the uh, CBS website, uh, there is one uh, PDF which is an individual complaint that uh, relates to uh, what is what has been tasked by, just give me a second, it's, uh, it's called Global Division and Ethnic Violence. Within this, uh, actually, if you look at it, there are several uh, very interesting disclosures which have been made as per internal documents of Facebook. So one needs to consider, so everyone who's listening this, I would really, really impress upon them to go back and read these documents, because this is not what Francis Hugen is saying. These are not allegations by her. This is internal Facebook research and correspondence. So the whistleblower by itself is not making fresh allegations, but only revealing information which is already pre-existing in Facebook. And what does it reveal? Three very important things. Okay. The first, in fact, you just touched upon is the budget, right? And here I'd like to very clearly indicate what you stated. India, firstly, has the largest user base for Facebook all over the world, in fact. And here's the thing. The 2020 financial year summary basically states, which is called the misinformation summary, that and it is intended to remove, reduce, inform, measure, misinformation on every family of apps. So it will include also Instagram as well as uh, WhatsApp. That the total budget for the global remit uh, uh, is for United States, 87%, and ROW, which is the rest of the world, India, France, Italy, 13%. And then in brackets, it notes further, this is despite the US and Canada comprising only 10% of daily active users as outlined above. So this is what Facebook already knows, right? So you can quite easily gauge their priorities in terms of when they state or and make all these statements, when fr- uh, for instance Mark Zuckerberg says that India is a priority for us, it's uh, it's one of the top countries we're looking at in terms of ensuring that our platform is used in a way which uh, uh, furthers their corporate objectives of ensuring that societies are, ha- um, are much more peaceful and um, it uh, provides a high degree of functionality ease for people who use it. But uh, it seems that the They're not putting uh, the money uh, towards uh, these kind of statements. The second thing, which is also very interesting, and uh, please, uh, please pardon it, but uh, I'm citing internal documents. It's not revealing my politics. It's showing the internal records of Facebook, which essentially says that the RSS, which is the Rastriya Swayam Sevak Sangh, uh, users, groups, pages, promote fear-mongering. This is in quotes. Anti-Muslim narratives targeted Uh, towards pro-Hindu populations with violence and inciting intent, which is called BNI, which is a classifier used by Facebook. It goes on to say, though, and this this is the issue, that our lack of Hindi and Bengali classifiers means much of this content is never flagged or action. So Facebook does not have the ability also, while permitting people to have large conversations, viral conversations and post it in Hindi and Bengali in its platform, they don't have the ability to even know what it means. So they don't even have the ability of saying whether this is hate speech, whether this is a threat towards some other person, whether this is obscene act, etc, etc. So its terms are meaningless if you post it in, um, in vernacular local Indian languages. And further it goes on to say in the same context, that auto-add hundreds or thousands of people to a group is likely to spread violence-inducing and hateful content. However, and this is found in Sri Lanka, but these features are still active. So, you know, it's very, very important for us to look at it very critically. And these disclosures by themselves, which have been made to the Securities Exchange Commission and a copy of it, which has been provided to the US Congress, I think at the very least, both the Ministry of Electronics and IT, as well as the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Information Technology, headed by its chairperson, Dr. Shashi Tharoor, should look at it, examine it, uh, because the complaints also have thousands of documents which have not yet been made public, which are these internal studies. And a lot of them relate to India, which is Facebook's largest market.
0: In her testimony, Yogan also recommended creating an outside regulatory agency that would have power to request data from Facebook. Though the company does have an independent oversight board which provides guidance on Facebook's advertisement policy and post, Yugen argues that the board does not have any real legal power over Facebook and believes that it is quote-unquote blind to the inner workings of the company. Apart from regulation, Yugen also suggested design changes that the company can take such as showing posts in chronological order which was present in earlier versions of Facebook and Instagram. Apar Gupta believes that companies like Facebook whose profits depend on maximizing its advertising potential requires an independent director on the board with a human rights background who can signal red flag if the company is heading towards the wrong
2: direction According to me the the platform is a uh, is a deployment which is uh, which is structured within a corporate entity which is Facebook Inc Facebook Inc is essentially a corporate entity Aim towards maximizing shareholder value, and the largest shareholder happens to be Mark Zuckerberg, right? And the way you can implement a higher degree of respect for human rights as well as curb these risks of disinformation is within this corporate structure of the board of directors is to have an independent director with a human rights background, right? And this is the kind of proposal which has been made repeatedly by independent shareholders before the facebook board but the facebook board has voted it down repeatedly and this is not only with facebook this is there with most silicon valley companies where activist shareholders are repeatedly saying that there is a need at the very top of the company to decide and determine the path the company will take in terms of matching its need for corporate profit alongside its social responsibility given the scale of the platform your much more direct question with respect to what changes the platform should take. Again, will go towards the kind of suggestions made by Francis Hugen. But I think Facebook and Francis both agree on one thing. And they have said the US Congress needs to step in and create rules of the road for them. Okay. But at the same point of time, that doesn't take away Facebook's responsibility, given that it is generating profits every day on the basis of a platform which does result in social harm, individual injury quite often. So I do think that one needs to look at those proposals closely. But here's my sense as well, that when you do make any kind of technical and platform changes, and even those whistleblower complaints reveal them, they're iterative in nature. You make a change, and then you A-B test it, whether that change is actually resulting in the kind of outcome that you want, right? And this is what needs to be done at a consistent and a systemic level. So it needs to be uh, in fact gauged, is it resulting in the kind of uh, outcomes which we want without hurting free expression, the values of interconnectivity, uh, the promotion of small and local businesses, which is quite often a facility provided by these platforms. So we have to do this kind of balancing in a way when these suggestions are tried out. I think so it would be, terribly uh, ambitious as well as um, you know uh, uh, just it would display utter lack of uh, modesty and i would be assuming expertise if i could say that these are the five things facebook should should do and all the problems would be fixed and one final thing i just like to add given that the scale and virality of facebook the problems by itself are plenty and numerous as the individual whistleblower complaints itself shows so there won't be five changes there will be possibly 500 or even 5,000 changes which will be necessary.
0: He adds that though these kind of revelations do highlight how social media giants are treating its customers, no action will likely be taken since most countries do not have an existing framework which can place penalties on Facebook.
2: I've uh, once written an op ed where I looked at all the controversies surrounding Facebook in India. And I said, these are controversies because we, uh, and we call them controversies, quote unquote controversies, because you don't have any kind of regulatory action. So till date, despite Cambridge Analytica, despite leak of uh, 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 information of Facebook users, despite misinformation being spread through it, despite uh, improper takedowns takedowns not being affected, improper takedowns being affected, also allegations of political bias, and um, the earlier round of the Wall Street Journal disclosures also showing that there does in fact exist uh, a political bias in content moderation in India, there's been no action taken. That's because we lack uh, a larger rule of law with respect to the existing institutional framework which can place penalties on Facebook. For instance, it can be the Competition Commission of India which can look at it, whether it's too big, whether it's having anti-competitive effects right? So it's, even though there's one action right now proceeding against WhatsApp, I'm not sure if it's looked at Facebook by itself or Instagram and how it's behaving, right? You also have not seen to a certain degree uh, uh, a kind of, um, uh, so uh, a kind of uh, uh, space which is needed with the data protection bill. So the data protection bill has been a conversation for close to a decade now with the earliest versions which were mooted. In fact, it's, even predating that 15 years, if you look at it easily, right? And we knew that uh, from a very long time back that we needed these governance mechanisms to be in place. So these are just two examples. Uh, Now, the thing is the existing institutions are absent. The institutions which need to be there don't exist and also the conversations that need to take place and need to be shepherded through the Ministry of Electronics and IT are not taking place in a public arena where digital rights experts and academics can contribute despite India being the largest market for a lot of the Silicon Valley uh, companies. So right now, the Ministry of Electronics and IT as for press reports is looking to amend the Information Technology Act, which is the mother registration with respect to all kinds of electronic commerce and digital transactions. However, at the same point in time, there's little information besides unofficial sources confirming that this process is right now ongoing. There's no white paper which has been published in terms of the approach which is being taken. We don't have a clear timeline, a path to progress in terms of the legislation being introduced in parliament or what will be the ambit of this legislation by itself. Hence, I'm a little skeptical at present that any action will be done, which also somewhat Uh, goes towards building public cynicism with each controversy around Facebook resulting in a complete lack of even scrutiny being visited towards it.
0: Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has said that the claims made misrepresent the company and its intentions. The US Congress so far is debating on how to effectively regulate Facebook and reportedly it will take a lot of time since it will require a lot of cross-party coordination. However, what the revelation made by Francis Hugen and the hearing has shown that Facebook needs to change its way and change fast. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavin, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website, and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequinn.com.
1: Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quints website and check out our other podcasts.